Welcome once again to another exciting episode of The Traveling Troubadour, the podcast that follows the lives of musicians who've successfully toured around the world, playing the music everyone knows and loves. I'm your host, Jason Perno, and our next guest comes from England. His name is Spence Cater. Spence, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you here. Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, and how you first got into music? Hi, Jason. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for asking me. Uh, it's great stuff you're doing here. Um, yeah, well, um, so a bit about myself. So um, in terms of music, I, I guess I was into music at a very, very early age. I was into listening to music. You know, I had a real passion for music. And um, towards the end of school, I started um, playing in bands. Uh, I started off playing drums. And... Um, um, Martin Jilks, who now sadly passed away, he was the drummer of the Wonder Stuff. His dad used to work with my dad, and my dad bought Martin Jilks' first drum kit as for me, uh, for my first drum kit. So I didn't realize this till afterwards. And uh, just messing about, really, I uh, played um, uh, drums in a cover band called Tricky Dicky. I was like 16, and the rest of the guys were like hairy arsed blokes you know, from 30, 35 upwards, um, rockers, you know, and, uh, and I was the drummer. I played the drums for them. It was a very weird, it must have looked very odd. I, I, then I started moving towards the front of the stage. I picked up some, picked up a guitar, I started learning some chords, and uh, then I started playing my own stuff, uh, playing open mics, and then began hosting my own open mics because I figured that was a good way of getting gigs. You know, instead of waiting for someone else to choose you for your open mic, you just host your own and get paid. So that was the first sort of um, exposure to live music and getting paid for it. And I, I did pretty much everything. I had a, had a partner at the time, uh, like a, a male um, music partner, not a lover. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, but so he would help out, but I would end up doing all the donkey work. Basically, I was the one who designed all the flyers and we'd go out. And I've got this is, you know, way before the internet, way before MySpace, all of that stuff. So it was all by hand, right? You printed out flyers, got them photocopied as cheap as you could, and then just go out and just hand them hand to hand. Uh, did you make a lot of money doing this type of work? At the time, you know, I was making sort of 80 quid, 60, 80 quid, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. But I, at the time, I was a big drinker, you know. Ah. And so I'd get paid in beer as well, you know. So I'd get paid cash and they'd just give me a free tab all night. So that, for me, that was – if I'd have took all that money in cash as I said in beer, then I would have been getting paid quite often. <laughs> I believe <laughs> – yeah, I think but, um, there's there's it's musicians like you that they started creating rules at two two beers per <laughs> per night or per gig. Yeah, I ruined it for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's how I started off. Really, I, I started off with that, and then um, through that, you know how it goes. You, you meet people and meet people, and so I started putting on these nights. And at one point, there was like in Wolverhampton. This is in the city of Wolverhampton, by the way. This is where um, I didn't grow up there, but it's the, this the kind of the next biggest biggest town from where I grew up. Um, and there was quite a scene there at the one point, you know, there's a big university there, there's a big art um, department there, the big music department. So we were putting gigs on at the student union. We were putting gigs on the local pub. I was doing radio at the time. We did a radio show called Naked Ambition, uh, which was um, uh, dedicated entirely to uh, unsigned artists. And, and unsigned music then, you know, was shit. 
basically is pretty dire because people didn't have the money to go into the studio. You know what I mean? You still had to go in the studio those days. You still had to put CDs out and stuff like that. So there was only people who had like, who, who could put some money together, who could produce anything decent. Everything else was, the quality wasn't great, but yeah. we, we, you know, that didn't stop us. We, we got people in like do live sessions and all that kind of stuff. We had an absolute ball. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was very different back then because nowadays everybody seems to have, have a home setup. Yeah, or home studio. Totally. Yeah, it looks like you've got one there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sp- I probably uh, spent the last uh, thirty years putting this together, one piece of gear at a time. Yeah, 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 and that's and that's great, you know, and that, and that's what you had to do. But now, I mean, you can make you can record something half decent on a on a Mac, right? Garage Band, you know, and a mic, you kind of yeah, there. But it's a totally different world. Yeah, that wasn't there then. But uh, so, so that was how I, I got started. And then I, I got through into that. Um, I mean, there's so many stories I could go into and sidelines I could go into, but let's, let's keep it on the, well, on the straight and uh, One of the stories that I'm most interested in is that you got into busking. How did that start? So what happened was I was working. Um, at, so I was in the day job. I was a teacher, right? I was working in colleges and stuff. And then I went into the private sector. What did you teach? And, uh, I taught uh, what they call now basic skills to 16 to 18 year olds. And a lot of the 16 to a lot of people I worked with were, um, you know, what they call politely furthest from the job market. In other words, <laughs> they've, they've got issues, Jason. They've got yeah, issues yeah, and they yeah. need help. Anyway, so long story short, I've got me made redundant two or three times on the trot and I thought, you know, I'm not going back into this now. I need, I need to do something else. I had my guitar with me. I had no intention of busking. Uh, that day but for some reason somebody you know before i knew it i, I was bringing my guitar home from the repairs I, before i knew it i'd unzipped it i'd got it out and and put it down put the case down on the floor like i've seen other buskers do and i just started playing i didn't know any covers i just started playing my own stuff where was this and, um this is in birmingham the second biggest right. city in, in england the fear that i had before that of, of ever doing that was 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 the fear that you know i'm going to get arrested you know people are going to laugh at me i'm going to get attacked you know all these kind of negative stuff that was coming in and you know nothing happened nothing bad happened people gave me some money and uh, the first they call it the drop right the first drop you get mm. like, that was it i was like wow this works you know if somebody's prepared to throw me a quid for a for me playing like a, a, a bad version of my own song that no one's ever heard before <laughs> Then if I, you know, played a song that maybe they had heard before and played it a bit better, then maybe that's worth two quid or three quid. I was just going to ask you that. When you do original music versus cover music, yeah. what did you find out there, Busker? What I found was if I'm just playing a guitar, no amplification, and I've got a little case and I'm playing my own stuff, people will give you money for that. How much it really depends on a lot of things, where you are, the time of day, the time of year. I personally, I made more money once I, A, started playing covers, and B, amplified myself, because it's very right. easy to get mistaken for a vagrant, homeless person, if you're just standing there playing uh, just a guitar with no amplification. Does that happen sometimes? Do you have somebody there who's got an yeah. instrument and they just start playing and not very well? They're just hoping that somebody will drop some money in. And, and people do that, right? People do that as a, as a, have no intention of playing that they are homeless, right? And, and they'll, right. you know, got two strings on the guitar. It's not even tuned. And right. they're just, 
playing like that just so they can just say, well, I'm busking, I'm not begging. You know, so it's, it's a very, and, and some people, even if you're playing quite well, even when I've got, when I progressed, you know, about six months later, I, I eventually kind of invested in some gear. You know, I got the, the, the battery powered amp and I got a mic uh, and I got a proper hard case and I got a set, you know, I, I was starting to build it up. And even then, you know, people, I've got CDs for sale. People yeah. come up and say, oh, um, I'll give you some money, but are you uh, homeless? Are you just going to spend it on beer? So there's like an assumption there. <laughs> That's well, very yeah. weird. I, I say, well, well, actually, yeah, even if you give me money, you're going to spend money on beer. Why? why? <laughs> Not yeah. that I was drinking at the time, but it's right, like, right. there's, a, there's such a, a stereotype and people still have that stigma. Were you able to make good money busking? I mean, what's yeah. the bottom line? Yes. Yeah. And, and again, this is so dependent on lots of things, right? The best it was, there was a place called Stratford-upon-Avon, which is um, in the West Midlands, birth, the home of Shakespeare. Um, so tourists come from, my, you know, busloads of Japanese tourists, you know, just wandering around the place. And, and so loads of, you know, people, uh, you're kind of a tourist attraction. What would you say was the one of the key things about engaging with the audience in order to get them to to basically stay and listen and tip? Great question. Um, I think it's just being present, you know. So mm. you're playing and not just going going through the motions kind of thing. You're kind of responding yeah. to what's going on. So people walking past, you making eye contact, you know, little jokes here and there asking for requests, talking to people directly, you know, because they're sitting around you, you know, yeah. you've got a captive audience in a way. So you engage them. Um, that's the way, that's the way I did it really. You know, and, I, uh, I, I spoke to Neil Brophy. I don't know if you've watched his interview. I did. Great interview. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, talked about the eye contact for him when he was busking. Mm. He did it for two years in Perth. And he yeah. said that was what he learned as soon as he got their, their eyes meeting his, then, he knew that uh, he had yeah. a better chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And kids, man. The kids yeah. get it. You know, if you got if you got a family, you got a, two little kids in the family. The kids will always come to you like like you know, like uh, bees to a, a flower, right? Because they're intrigued and they're like, oh, they want to come over. And of course, once the kids are coming over, the parents are coming over, and the kids are not going to go away without giving you a, a, some money, right? So you entertain the kids. You play a kids song. You get them, you get the kids coming in. And of course, when the kids are there and the families come, it's about getting a crowd, right? And it's yeah. quite hard sometimes when you're doing, when you're static and you're playing, you know, behind a microphone, it's quite hard. If you're, you know, got a wireless, then it's a bit easy because you can integrate more. So there's two types of shows, what I'm trying to say. This is what they call uh, the circle show, which is what if you go to Covent Garden in London, that's right. what they do. It's like roll up, roll up, roll up, you know, getting people in and getting a little crowd going. Yeah. That's like a circle show. And you do the hat at the end, and that's when you get the money at the, at yeah. the end. You yeah. get tips all the way through. What yeah. I was doing was more of like you like your, um, your, your kind of flow show was what I call it. So people just walk in and out, you know. Mm. You, you try and capture a crowd and you try and keep it, but you know they're only going to stay 10, 20 minutes at the most. Even when you're playing in, in uh, other venues, actual contracted venues that are family-friendly, you know, I've been – playing on cruise ships for example and i've seen kids coming up to me while i was playing on a cruise ship and the funniest thing i remember uh, i was playing on a cruise ship that sailed uh, between stockholm and finland and sometimes you would get like uh 
I don't know if you call them like gypsies or uh, people from Romania that were gypsies mm -hmm. or uh, Bulgaria and so on. And I, I just remember that this little girl, she must have been not more than two years old. She came right up to me. I actually got it on tape. It's funny. She comes up to me while I'm playing a song and she's just sitting there listening. And then she just raises her middle finger, two years old, <laughs> right at me. And I'm thinking, whoa, where did this kid get their manners? And then I saw the mom was one of the gypsies. It's definitely a totally different breed uh, of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, you wouldn't. Uh, you, that wouldn't happen in Stratford-upon-Avon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think Never. so. So, what's the name of your book again? It's so the, uh, the book is "Busking for Beginners." There you go. Busking for um, it looks really, really fascinating. I, I'd actually like yeah. to pick up a copy myself. Everything that you need to know. If you've never done it before, and it, somebody like you, it's perfect for you, Jason, because I, I, I heard that you haven't busked before, right? But you're a no. performer. You, you're good at what you do. You can entertain a crowd. You, you know, you, you've got the chops. This, this book is assuming that you've got all those things already. This isn't like busking for beginners, right? I can't play a note. I'm just going to go and be, you know, it's, that, it's not going to work, right? You've got to have yeah. a level of skill that that means people are going to give you some money, not just out of pity, but for like... <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of courage to get out there in front of a, in a you it know... It does. In the middle of an it open does. space and just start getting people's attention. I, I have to say I was spoiled in many ways because I worked mainly with contracted gigs. And for yeah. the first number of years before the Brophy circuit, I was playing in these other gigs uh, and other circuit where you can pretty much play whatever you wanted. And if you yeah. were a good performer and you were appreciated by people and uh, the entertainer in me had to develop over time. And I yeah. still never became, I guess you could say a great "Quote unquote entertainer." I was always relying mostly on my skills as a, as a singer and as a guitar player, and and knowing the yeah. right repertoire and so on. But being a great entertainer, that's that's a special gift, and probably one of the reasons why I never really wanted to do busking myself because it's to me sounds very nerve wracking. So I admire anybody who has the courage to go out there and and somebody who can make money on top of that as well. I think it's amazing. yeah. I mean, I I, I saw you know. I, um, I, I saw it very much as an apprenticeship, you know. Right. You had two. You had two hour slots on each pitch, and there was only two pitches there that were that were really good. The one I mentioned earlier on the front, and the one in the high street. Now, I used to get there, uh, and they were much coveted. So you'd have to fight for them, literally. You know, sometimes. So the, the, these were assigned <laughs> assigned slots. You had to be yeah. part of some sort of. Uh, community where you yeah well designated spot so, if, so yeah. if you're watching this and you're thinking i'm going to go to right i'm off to stratford bon Avon on the bus there good luck um yeah but um yeah so you'll be greeted by a town and this is when i was doing it you know that this is like five six years ago maybe more and a, a town warden would come along and say if, if they were new, if you were new because obviously they knew all the buskers there if you were a new face they'd come up to you and they'd well, very polite. You know, there was no, there was nothing threatening about it. They just say, "Look, you know, welcome, and you know, here's a little map. These are the areas you need to play, and it's, you know, it's a two-hour waiting list, a two-hour playtime, you know, and that's it. Yeah, and uh, and it kind of regulates itself after that because all the buskers that are there uh, kind of know the score. You know, it's this kind of they know. You know, you don't take the piss. You know, you, you play your two hours and you wait. You know, and you, you know, if you're there and somebody else has got some gear there and that you, you, you they want to take a a piss, you know, you look after the gear or you help, you know, everyone helps each other out a bit, but there's some people who didn't and some people who just tried to 
occupy the spots and and, and it got nasty you know because it, it's basically stopping you earning money you know if somebody's trying to hog a spot and it's that, that it's like hold on a minute i could be earning like two three hundred quid here and you're stopping me doing it and of course <laughs> tempers are going to get frayed right so it learned, it taught me anyway, it taught me a lot about the law. It taught me a lot about standing up for yourself um, and about sort of negotiating, you know? Yeah. And, um, and of course, you know, about entertaining, you know, entertaining, about stamina, you know, because you can be, you know, some places don't, don't have time limits. Stratford in London, for example, didn't have a time limit. You could be there all day, you know, play four or five hours straight. Now, in addition to your book, you also... I see you, you started an online course as well. So the Prosperous Musician is the, the website. So if you go on there, you'll see the book. Uh, you can purchase the book from there. And from there, there's also a little course that accompanies the book. Um, and uh, on that, if you are interested in the book and the course, I'm also available for a, for a call. So I can talk you through it. Um, Consultation. You get started. Consultation, yeah, because... Like you say, we could we could fill up at two hours easily just talking about busking. Um, so if that's if if that's what you want to do, I'm I'm happy to guide you through it. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating topic, and uh, I would like to just uh, move on a little bit because I have so many other questions sure. here. So, yeah. so you started off. You had a very colorful uh, life, starting out as a, a musician and getting involved in the music business at a young age and moving on to the busking. And I see you've also played as well uh, in Belgium. That's right. Were you busking there as well? Yeah. So, um, so where I busked, that was the other thing, I suppose, of like, that was the progression. It was like, well, I was playing in Birmingham, which is a big city. So I already had a lot of pitches in Stratford. These great places to busk. But then I heard someone, you get to meet other buskers, you know, like you do, you meet other troubadours and they tell you something. It blows your mind. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I've I've just played around Europe. You know, this guy said, yeah, I've just come back. I've just played all around Europe. I'm like, what? Yeah. So that's the idea. I just went, okay, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? So I didn't go all the way around Europe, but I I went to Belgium as a a start. Uh, Did a little mini tour of Belgium, which was fantastic. It's a great place to busk. Um, Yeah, and I've I've played in um, New York. Uh, I bust on the subways in New York. Yeah, I've been there. I've seen that. Uh, I mean, because I'm I'm from New York, so I've I've ah. been there, yeah yeah uh, many times. I went to audio engineering school there in Union Square in New York, and uh-huh. you go underneath the subway there, and you can see they had some amazing performers, amazing yeah um, yeah. And and Absolutely. like in many other places, you have to be part of an association to get in and apply for spots. It's it's like a real, it's like a job that people compete for slots that you're trying to get into and uh, it's not just it's not the same where you can just stand wherever you want and start playing there's a whole procedure you have to follow to get in to that circuit that's right same with the london underground you you, you have to do that as well you have to audition the, the new york subway i didn't know the you, you had to audition right so i just i just had my guitar i didn't take any amplification uh, and I, I wasn't there just to bust by the way this was like <laughs> this is like another trip but um, what I did was I, I went on the um, the forty second shuttle, right? So one stop shuttle that goes. Um, it's just one stop. It's ninety seconds. Or the S train, I think they call it. And um, so I sat on there, and it was the reason why I did that was because it was 
it was absolutely baking hot. It was like 30, 35 degrees, absolutely sweltering. But down in there, it seemed to be cooler. So I sat on the this little tray that just went one stop backwards and forwards. And I worked out I could play a little kind of mini version of Three Little Birds and a little mini version of Folsom Prison Blues. I hear that train coming. It's rolling. Yeah. Between stops. Yeah. So the doors would shut. I'd start, play, I'd start playing. And then just as I'd finished the song, the doors would, the, the train had stopped and the doors would open. They'd get off and people would come in. People would tip me. People would come back in. And the same thing, backwards and forwards for a few hours. But um, the, the, the amazing thing that happened there, and this has happened quite a few times in my, certainly through busking, was uh, I was playing Three Little Birds. Don't worry about a thing, you know. And um, everyone's getting on, you know, they're all stressed out and tired, and I start playing that. And um, the, the, it stopped the other side, and these, as people were piling out, the guy came over and st- stood by me and said, you know what? He says, hey, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to try and do the accent. I won't embarrass myself. But he was, <laughs> he was a New Yorker, right? Yeah. He said, uh, if you can imagine him saying in, in a New York accent, right? He said, uh, you know what, man? You know what? I just heard you playing that, and I, I've just been made redundant today. They just told us, you know, my, my job's finished. Yeah. And I was, he said, swear to God, man, I was feeling suicidal. Wow. I was feeling suicidal, and I heard you play that song. You know what? I've just sort of I've got some hope. You know, so thanks, man. He gave me some money, and that happened twice that day. Not not as dramatic as that, but this woman said, "You know, I was feeling really down." And he played that, and he really cheered me. But this guy, he was genuine. You know, when you can just see it with somebody, he was like really like still processing it, kind of thing. But it, I was like, that is that's just two people who actually made the effort to come and say something. You, you don't know how many of those people throughout the day didn't come up and say to me, but it still had an effect. And I've been affected by, you know, street performances. So if you hear something, and you, I might not rush over and tell them, but, you know. That's the interesting thing about New York as well, is that yeah. um, you never know if you're going to piss somebody off or you're going to get a compliment. Uh, it yeah. can go either way, because I've, <laughs> I've, I've had very negative experiences as well mm-hmm. in New York, where people mm-hmm. will sometimes... You know, maybe I'm just sitting by myself playing music and somebody else, shut up, you know. (laughs) So it depends on who's walking by and what the mood is. But it's really nice, though, when you get these kind of compliments, uh, especially when it becomes, you know, your song becomes a suicide prevention. So out of all the places that you've played and busked, do you have a specific country or place that really stood out as your favorite? This is a top tip, right? This isn't in the book. I'm going to give you this for free. This is this is something that um, actually it's not a secret. It's Brophy did it first, but, <laughs> but go for it. Yeah, this is what he's got a busker's brain. You see, Brophy has. This yeah. is why you came yeah. up with first. So the, the courtyard concerts, right? So everyone's locked down, uh, yeah. particularly here, and and I suppose where you are as well. You'll know there's loads of these apartment blocks, and they'll yeah. have a, a courtyard in the middle. Um, and so when, when, when the COVID first struck and everyone was locked down and no one was going out and everyone was scared, um, then, you know, it was, it was coming up to the weather was getting okay. So um, what I do is get my gear, because I live in one of these apartment blocks, right? It's huge. Right. And they've got a courtyard in the middle. So I just got my gear out and I just started playing. And I, I did a little set, 15 minutes. Yeah. I put my VIP sign out, nice and big. So people could see it from the balconies. Everyone came out on the balcony. It was like playing a stadium, man. It's like everybody came out. Yeah. Um, 
and I was playing away. I did this little set, and there was, there was one guy, one guy. I don't know what he said in Norwegian. He was probably shut the fuck up, you know. Yeah, he he was like one of those get off my lawn kind of guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just said, look, man, I'm 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 playing for 15 minutes. So I'll be gone, you know, and yeah. and that was it. And you, you should have. Um, but that gig, I mean, that was like that was cool because. It was where I lived, so it was a big risk yeah. for me to play. Because if, right. if it bombed, yeah. I'd have had to move out of it. <laughs> I would have had to walk around with a hood on, you know, for a few months. Were people mobile paying you then? Yeah, that was the thing, like with the Vips. And it was the first time I'd used Vips, really. I'd only just mm. got my phone. I'd just get everything yeah. sorted. Yeah. I was still kind of getting settled in. So I'd never really used it before. Yeah, uh, and a few people gave me some paper money, some folding stuff, you know. But m- generally, it was people on the balcony. So I played this set. You know, everyone was going. You know, really great sort of reaction to it. And I finished, and I was like, you know, you've hyped, right? Adrenalized, and I was like, oh, that went really well. And I got the, looked at the phone, and I just saw like fifty kroner. I'm like, hmm. I thought I'd go a bit more than that, you know. Mm. That's like five, especially five in Norway, pounds. can't even buy a hamburger for that. Yeah, so I thought, well, okay, okay, it was an experiment. You know, I was telling myself that it's fine. You know, it's where I'm at. And then, what I didn't realise was that was the last tip of about twenty-eight tips. Oh wow! So I scrolled down. It's like fifty krona, hundred krona, two hundred krona, fifty krona. It's just a, a long list of tips, and I was just like, fifteen minutes. It was about. It worked out about about, about I think it's about two hundred twenty pounds, something like that, uh, for fifteen minutes. It yeah. was that was insane, and that happened a few times. I, I tried it in different places, um, and not only that, because you've got the VIPs, you've mm. got their message, right? So I sent everyone a message back saying, you know, thank you so much, bro. So I've got um, people saying, oh, come back, and all. so you've got like a list, you know, you, you built your fan base as well as getting, you know, a, a contactable fan base. And that's that's so that, that's that really a really works. clever way, yeah, yeah, to get to get killer. people to get into your music. Speaking of Norway, how did you end up there? Um, like like most people, I think here, it's the, the, the my my partner uh, mm. came here. She had a job. She got a proper job here, right? Um, and uh, so I followed. <laughs> I okay. came with her, and, and that was it. Really, that's how we ended up here. So you didn't know anything about the Norway music scene beforehand, Not at all. Just... Nothing. Nothing at all. And well, that's... I I think it's a pleasure then to tell you that if you haven't already figured that out. I've done now, f- I think you're my fifth interview, and yeah. the all four interviews beforehand are all pointing towards Norway as probably the best place in Europe, maybe even the world, to make money wow. as a musician. Wow. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. You just, by, by the luck of the draw, ended up in the right country. <laughs> 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 what do you most prefer about this lifestyle? What I do like about it is, the tr- especially being here in Norway for the first time, just getting to see places, you know, just traveling around, getting to see different places. Did That's you have the, a favorite that, gig in Norway? The, my, the one that stands out for me most is the, uh, the most recent one was um, uh, Christian Sands, which was uh, Halloween Christian Sands. And um, the Friday night was dead, right? Yeah. Dead, dead as disco. And then the Saturday night, Completely different story, you know. Everyone was out. People were in fancy dress. It was like, like a kind of. I wouldn't say it go as far as New Year's Eve kind of vibe, but it was. It was really, you know, it was. It was going off, and um, 
And it was one of those nights, I don't know if you've had this, you know, usually, you know, most nights I'm consistent, I can play and stay the same most nights. But that night, I don't know whether it was the adrenaline or the energy I was getting the love off the crowd. My voice just sound, it felt like I had an extra note, you know, I had extra range. I was kind of like the guitar sounding good. Everything was just like, you know, I'm on fire. You know? yeah, like, yeah. And then at the end, at the end of the night, you know, you do the encore and people who weren't going for more. And so I did an encore and then, and I did one and then I kind of finished. And then the guy came, this guy came up to me and said, um, we want to play with a table over there. We want you to play longer. You know, we'll pay you. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm fine with that, but I don't know if the, the manager's okay with that, you know, because he's got to play. Anyway, I spoke to Jens, the manager, and he, he was just like, fine, you know, it's up to you. If you want to play, you carry on. <laughs> so I was like, okay. He named the price. I didn't say a price. And he just said, we'll, we'll give you, we'll you 3,000 kroner, right? Mm. Play for an hour. Like, done. <laughs> I ended up playing for an hour and a half because it just went off and on. You just, going on and on and on but that was like uh that was like one of those i don't know if you've ever seen um i might be being a bit traumatic now but if you've seen the the elton john film the um rocket the, man the biocet, yeah rocket man you know that beginning when he's playing his first gig in, in yeah CBGB's, and he's kind of floating and the whole crowd's yeah. floating it's yeah. that kind of it felt like that it was that kind of yeah. feeling of like I, I can't do anything wrong here you know what i mean it's just right you got them all right. in the palm of your hand and just having that you know being validated somebody actually wanting to pay you quite well yeah. for it. that was like one of the nights and then of course the next week it's friday night you're playing to three people <laughs> yeah it can be it can definitely be different from Up night down, to right? night yeah. Uh, yeah but you're definitely in the right country i think to be pulling those kind of tips uh the yeah. only other place i could see where i would get that kind of uh, money from uh the audience would be in switzerland you just have to go to where the money is. In Norway, yeah. everybody has money because of the oil, but uh, yeah. Switzerland, you know, they're all pretty wealthy out there. Do you have any tips for other musicians who might want to get into this line of work? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are loads of tips, Jason. I mean, it's practical tips like, um, like equipment wise for me, it, just get two of everything. Mm. So, um, and I started doing that when I was busking as well and, and doing the gigs and stuff, you know, you need two guitars, you need two leads, you need to just two of everything, right? Cause one of them's going to go. Um, and you always need a backup. So I'd, I'd suggest that just as a practical issue for me, I think I've made a lot of sacrifices, mm. you know, for this, because you know, your weekends are gone. If you're in a partnership, it's really hard. Any partnership, you really need you need a really understanding partner who's going to support you because if you're you know like with these gigs, you know I'm gone like Friday morning. If it's, uh, you know Christian Sons for example here, I'm gone like from Friday morning till Sunday night, and um, so that can be hard if it's every week. So yeah, I think for me it's looking after you because I'm a bit older, you know. So mm. you have to look after yourself, you know. I think it's really fascinating hearing about your uh, stories busking, especially through Belgium and New York and uh, in your hometown back in England. Um, but do you have any funny stories? Anything that uh, sticks out in your mind over the years? I'm sure you have a ton of stories, but one that you would like to share? <laughs> 
got a, I got a shit ton of stories, Jason. <laughs> um, and again, I'm setting this up as a funny story. It might not be to you, but yeah. anyway, uh, it amused me anyway. Um, so the busking, right? I'll go back to the busking. So I would um, Stratford upon Avon, Birmingham to Stratford upon Avon is about an hour on the train. That's what we used to do. I used to do, and uh, all the other buskers who were going from Birmingham do it, right? So we'd get on the train, and the the, the high street in in my opinion, anyway, I think other people's opinion, the high street in Stratford was great in the morning, and then in the afternoon by the river, that was the that was the great pitch drive in the afternoon. So that's what I tried to do: get there early, get the morning pitch, make the money there, and then have lunch and then go and play in the afternoon or, or longer, you know, in the summer. So that's, that was the day. Um, so other buskers were getting wise to this, you know, that's where the money is. So we're getting eight o'clock train, which is, uh, you know, it's early for a musician, right? And uh, it was funny because there was the, there were all the buskers that did it, but there was these two kids, uh, they were well, kids to me, that's being patronised, but they were very young. Uh, they were called the Fidgets and they were like this duo. They were very good. Anyway, they, they were all polite and stuff and they would, We'd get we'd, we'd be on the train and we'd exchange pleasantries, but we knew getting nearer and nearer that you know we'd get off the train and we'd be half a mile to the the Buskins pitch, the first one yeah. in the high street. <laughs> so we'd be walking like really fast, pretending we're not caring about if we get there or not, playing it cool, but walking really fast, you know, with this gear and stuff. And then eventually we'd get about two hundred yards away. And then one of us would, you know, I'd start running <laughs> to get there quicker. Then they'd yeah. start running, and then yeah, yeah. and then we we kind of know that it's a race. We've got to get there. And then we're both <laughs> running, and then we, you know, one of us sometimes I'd get there quicker, but oftentimes, um, you know, sometimes it'd be neck and neck, and, and that happened with another busker. You know, we're all right, all right, uh, walking down the street, and suddenly like run, he's made a run. It's like being in a peloton in the Tour de France. <laughs> the one breaks for it, and the other one. <laughs> it was hilarious, and but after a while. That all that pretense went. As soon as the train door opened, you just let it off the train to like run the whole half a mile. But what I did was this was the thing because I thought I'm never going to beat these kids because A, they, they had less equipment than B, and B, they were a lot quicker than yeah. me. So I just thought, okay, you know, think about this tactically. So I just got the earlier train. I was there at six o'clock. <laughs> Some was just coming up. I was there. There's no one about, you know. And I just set up, you know. They come running around the corner, and I'd already be set up there. I'll be, I'll be finished in about two hours. All right. That's funny because, yeah, I mean, they they might have been younger and faster, but uh, you had some wisdom. Being a busker, that's what you, you're always. It's like a survival thing. You know what I mean? Mm. You're always thinking of the next, where, you know, where the lo- where the best location is, and. You know, it's just so many things to be aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really teaches you to you know, be hungry. Listen, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, once again, your book, Busking for Beginners, is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people pick that up? Is that uh, Amazon or? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can buy uh, the paperback. You can order a paperback on there, or you can just get it for your Kindle. Um, there's also... Um, if you go to the Prosperous Musician, uh, you'll see it there and you can get it there. Um, you can also, uh, there's a course on there as well. And as I said, if you email me, um, info at spencercatermusic.com or at the Prosperous Musician at gmail.com, if you want some more, I'm happy to do consultation. I'm happy to talk to you. As you know, I'll, I'll talk all day about busking. So if you want some help, you want to get started, I, I suggest getting the book um, as, a, as a hard copy you can just refer back to 
and I'm happy to talk to you, talk you through uh, your first busking experience. Excellent. And one last thing uh, before we close the show, we're going to take you out with a. Uh, one of your original songs. Monthly You Wonder is um, it's a very personal song um, about my journey from uh, being a, a hopeless addict to being um, uh, a not, a, a not, a not an addict, just a hopeless person, <laughs> a hopeful person. Um, and um, the, the title came from, uh, there's a, a band called The Fall, and Marky e. Smith was the lead singer of The Fall. He's dead now. But he, his book, Autobiography, is called Renegade. I highly recommend it. And one of the lines in the book, he was talking about one, he just mentioned one clean year of wonder. And for some reason, I don't know if you get this, Jason, when you're writing songs, some, some titles and just things just leap out at you, mm. something inspired yeah. and, um, and that line did for me. And uh, so I based the song around that, around that title. And uh, it's got a lovely animated video by uh, a guy called King Man Cheng. Who's a beautiful? He's done lots of video animations, and uh, I highly recommend him if you're looking for animations for your, for your uh, music videos. Check him out. And that is a wrap for this week's podcast. I want to thank once again our guest Spence Cater for coming on the show to share his journey with us. If you liked what you heard and you want to learn more, please go to Amazon and pick up your copy of Troubadour: A Musician's Guide to Touring Europe as a Cover Artist. I'm going to take you out now with an original song from Spence. It's called "One Clean Year of Wonder." Thanks again, and see you next time. One clean year of wonder It could be the best I've ever known Times I felt I was going under But now I see how much I've grown And so I pray and I wait Leave it up to fate as I go on On As I go on On One clean year of wonder And I hope it can be more I love to hear the thunder Of you knocking on my door So I pray and I wait Hope it's not too late as I go on, as I go on, on. I think of all the years I've wasted doing things I didn't need to do. Something better has replaced it Something meaningful and true One clean year of wonder Never thought 
what it would happen to me All my pain and all my hunger Are replaced with serenity So I pray and I wait I go home.